This morning's scripture passage is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And that's Mary's song, uh, traditionally known as the Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds by his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to stand in front of Erin as I introduce her. Uh, uh, it's a, we're excited today. We have, uh, today, Aaron Oxford is with us. Aaron and I have actually known each other for, well, pushing three decades now, hard to believe. I'm still, I'm still not in my 40s yet, but somehow. <laughs> anyway. And uh, she is the uh, pastor, uh, or she is a pastor and the director of Dale Ministries. Uh, and this is part of our family of churches in the CBOQ. And uh, the Dale is a church without walls, literally. Uh, they, it is a safe and welcoming space for all people, particularly the vulnerable and the broken in Parkdale. Uh, and because of the gift that they offer, that their community offers to our family of churches and to the kingdom, um, they are financially reliant, reliant on others to help them. Uh, and so we as a church have actually supported them as a ministry that we support as our sister church and also for the work that they do with the um, with broken, vulnerable people in, in Parkdale. So it is a joy to welcome Erin uh, with us, who is going to uh, share with us. So welcome, Erin. Thank you, Greg. Good morning, Spring Garden. <laughs> and thank you, Greg and Sam. Uh, for the invitation to be here uh, on behalf of the Dale. Thank you uh, for your long support and friendship of the Dale. Uh, I don't know if many of you would know that uh, your own Marion Cameron uh, also helps with our books, which we are so grateful for. There's so many ways that you have come alongside us, so we thank you. I first met Laura, not her real name, in one of the Dale's Monday drop-ins. She had a lot of dark hair that strategically covered her face, a small frame that was hidden by a too big coat, and a voice so quiet you had to lean in close to hear. She was guarded and her exterior expressed her desire to be as incognito as possible. Over time, I learned that Laura loved to read. In fact, she was an academic. 
we would sit and talk about everything from Plato to politics. Her favorite topic, though, was nursing, as she had once been a nurse herself. Laura's journey to the street did not happen overnight. It began with repeated physical and emotional abuse from a partner, which led to their child being taken by Children's Aid, which resulted in the inability to work. Along the way, Laura lost the ability to cope and found a way to numb alcohol. When I met Laura, she was a self-professed alcoholic, one that could drink until blackout. I once sat on a curb holding Laura's head off the concrete while waiting for an ambulance, praying that this time she would get into detox and find her way to recovery. I remember praying, God, you promised to lift up the humble and fill the hungry with good things. Please, please do this for Laura. The Mary that sang the Magnificat, our scripture today, was a poor, young, Jewish girl. Though having never consummated her relationship with Joseph, she received the unexpected and life-changing news that she was pregnant with a son. As if this was not enough, an angel showed up to say that growing inside her was a holy child, a child who would be known as the Son of the Most High and the Son of God, whose kingdom would have no end. Mary bears the Son who will show the world that God is indeed with us. Repeated throughout Scripture is God's stunning and gracious theme of lifting up the lowly. The call on Mary's life reminds us that God esteems, calls, and raises up the ordinary, or who we might view as ordinary. The world did not expect God to select a poor young woman from Nazareth to bring about the Incarnation. In the Magnificat, Mary sings about the God who cares for the poor and hungry, once more giving them a name and a place in society. In the early church, Mary was given a name meaning God-bearer, while Mary's specific calling was to physically bear God to the world, we are also called to be God-bearers. In other words, to open up to view the light of Christ in our world today. I believe that God called very ordinary me to the Dale, a church and community organization in Parkdale, a small West End neighborhood in Toronto. At the Dale, we welcome all people while making very intentional space at the core for people who are typically relegated to the margins. The Dale is a varied group. Most of us live rough outside, some in community housing and a few in houses of our own. Some of us are struggling with addictions to alcohol or street drugs or television or eating too much food. Some of us have diagnosed mental health challenges that range from depression and anxiety to paranoid schizophrenia. Some of us are refugees. We are a motley crew, one that in large part 
knows what it is to be shunned and pushed away because we smell like the street. The truth is, many people have selected us not just as the lowly, but as the unlovable. In an effort to silence the voices that say otherwise, we acknowledge that we share a common humanity. We know we are broken and choose again and again and again to journey alongside one another toward deeper wholeness in Christ. When I arrived in Parkdale, the, the Dale was known as PNC, short for Parkdale Neighborhood Church. On a sunny day, near the end of June, I had to remove the PNC sign from both the gate and the door at 201 Cowan Avenue, the address that had been ours since about 2006. For me, this act made things official. PNC no longer had its own building. We had faced this hard realization. Our funding had run its course. We could not be sustained by the tithes of our people, not because people were not giving, but because their financial means were tiny. True to this day is that people oftentimes give far more than a tenth. Sometimes it is the entire contents of their pockets, a fistful of panhandled change. I became the only staff at the time and was asked to come up with some kind of strategic plan. The ironic thing was though we did not have the resources to continue to pay rent or maintenance or internet access or even a phone, we were flourishing as a community. At the time, it seemed there were two options, close or come up with a plan. It was at times overwhelming. Although I think I felt up to the task in some ways, I did not feel worthy of it. In order to thwart doubt and prevent despair, I had to contemplate the original vision of God's loving promise, the one that captured my heart and prompted me to pick up in the first place. I had to contemplate the paradoxical life of Jesus, the one where being king meant dying on a cross. I wrote down the vision and promise. I read it. I committed it to memory. I had to look for it and wait for it, attempting to be patient, and at the same time expecting it to arrive. I had to sing Mary's song. So the new vision included this. Inhabit the neighborhood by finding buildings around it that have space to share for our programming, and spend a lot of time outdoors. Invite people into full participation of the community and acknowledge that we all have something important to both give and receive. Include all people and extend the invitation to come as you are. Instill that our foundation is Christ and provide the opportunity to question, understand, and worship God. So if you fast forward to the present, PNC is now known as the Dale Ministries. On that sunny day in June, we became a church without our own walls. I like to say it was the day that we spilled into the streets. Our open door in the middle of adversity was one that took us right outside. We became nomads with a schedule, one that would take us to a variety of places throughout the week. That day marked the beginning of reimagining our vision 
including changing our name. Inspired by the community, a dale is a valley that cuts through a mountain, the place where one hides when facing a storm. Every day, the Dale Ministries, or more often simply the Dale, endeavors to be a safe community for many, as safe as possible for many, including me. We do this by extending the invitation to come as you are and to participate in both giving and receiving. We run drop-ins, provide pastoral care, visit people in the hospital, in jail, on the street. We accompany people to court. We worship together. It goes on. Of course, we have faced change again this year. All but one of our five partner buildings shut down because of the pandemic. Our drop-ins have become outdoor meals for takeaway. Our presence on the street has increased yet again. And just this last week, a donor purchased us an outreach vehicle, which I announced by saying we might not have walls, but we have wheels. <laughs> What COVID hasn't changed is our commitment to the people of Parkdale. Through the story of Mary, I am reminded that God asks us to be receptive to the work God longs to do in us and through us. I am reminded to actually believe that God can and will do what he promises. This does not mean that I or we will always see the promised land. Many of our ancestors died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off and were persuaded by them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I also grow in my understanding that compassion asks us to go where it hurts. God has invited me into places of pain to actually share in grief and weakness and confusion, while at the same time acknowledging my own. The paradox is that when I touch pain, I also see the light. Hope is evident in the darkness. I feel it urging me forward, restoring joy, and inviting me to express gratitude. I become witness to God's kingdom at work in the here and now. And in this way, compassion leads to celebration. At the Dale, I bear witness to how God takes the hardest things and makes them sacred. Did you know that the origin of the word bless meant to consecrate and speak well of, most often used toward God? Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, says Daniel. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, says the Psalms. Viewed through this lens, the Beatitudes reveal how God consecrates our grief and poverty. God holds up and makes blessed those who are poor and broken, revealing them as precious and having connection to God. Similarly, when we seek peace, when we show mercy, when we mourn, and when we are meek, God is connected to us. There is not an absence of God in life's greatest challenges. Laura got clean. Not long after, she became pregnant. 
The news was met with a lot of anxiety on her part and mine because of her history and very much still new sobriety, the Children's Aid Society became immediately involved. I got to hold Laura's daughter the day she was born. Directly after I met with a group of medical professionals and children's aid workers about next steps. It was a scary day. What resulted is nothing short of miraculous. Instead of putting the baby into the system for adoption, CAS agreed that Laura could remain in her baby's life. Practically, this meant that Laura had access to her daughter a certain amount of time each day, slowly showing her capability as a parent. The Dale became her village, helping with childcare, diapers, groceries, the occasional casserole. Today, Laura has full custody of her child. One day, she came into a drop-in with her now toddler. The Rolling Stones song, You Can't Always Get What You Want, happened to be playing at the time. Another community member, through eyes glistened with tears, looked at Laura and said, you can't always get what you want, but sometimes you do. Mary became the mother of Jesus, the Son of God. She did not flee from the task asked of her. She opened herself to love. Henry Nowen said, every time we make the decision to love someone, we open ourselves up to great suffering because those we most love cause us not only great joy, but also great pain. The greatest pain comes from leaving when the child leaves home, when the partner leaves for a long period of time or for good when the beloved friend departs to another country or dies, the pain of the leaving can tear us apart. Still, if we want to avoid the suffering of leaving, we will never experience the joy of loving. And love is stronger than fear, life stronger than death, hope stronger than despair. We have to trust that the risk of loving is always worth taking. Not every story has the same trajectory as Laura's. You can't always get what you want, but sometimes you do. I want to bear witness to the truth that God, God holds Laura, God holds the Dale, God holds Spring Garden, God holds me in all of our loneliness, in all of our hunger, and all of our need. I echo the song of Mary. God has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. Amen.